big bad windows confused. Hello and welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's episode number 240 for Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac where it's Taylor Swift's birthday and I'm getting myself a freezer. And from America's left coast, where I don't often get to use the phrase epic win in a headline, I'm Ryan Bemrose. They're all epic wins and they're all they're all bombshells. Well, in this case, it was epic that won a court case against Google. Yes. And just forewarning everybody, there may be a freezer delivery live during grumpy old Ben's. I'm guessing I'm not going to get it at all. Because anybody that listens to the random thought show has already heard this story. But you, you should hope that they don't listen to your podcast, whoever's delivering. I know. Or maybe they would like it. But we ordered it from Lowe's online, and I guess with all of these merchants, they want to try to guess how many times have you gone in to a website, and it's like, well, your store is, and it's trying to guess via your IP oh, address. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, and assholes. so it's, of course, shipping from uh, Lowe's in Poland because of your ISP. Right, because, oh, wait, you might be using VPN. So what? that's the reason why that the store that it was guessing, and I'm not sure if there's any other reason to that. I just always assume if you're going to go onto a website like Lowe's or Home Depot or any of these and order something for delivery, that it's really not going to make a difference. Whatever the stupid website's like, well, your store is. You, you'd like to think that maybe they'd pay attention more to your address than your IP. Yes. Like the delivery address would probably yes. be. You would think, but no. No, so these, I mean, really, although if I'm a delivery driver, there's no bad weather today, so it's not like you're driving in the snow. You know this. You would much rather be driving than jumping out of the truck and carrying heavy objects. So uh, Yes, but, well, my job involves both. But in this case, we're like an hour plus from the store that it's shipping out of. Well, because there aren't any closer? No, there are. There are two within five miles. Well, it is it is legitimately possible that the thing you wanted wasn't at one of the ones in five miles. And it's also possible that their computer system was written by retards. Yeah, I'm guessing the latter because it was ordered on Black Friday. So if they couldn't have gotten (laughs) one in the uh, the proper amount of time, I'm guessing it was just because it was tagged from that store again, because I was using a VPN, which, again, I'm really glad I wasn't using a VPN out of, you know, Milwaukee or Austin. Or like you said, Poland. I, I'm just going to preface this comment by saying, uh, given what I have seen in the world of logistics, it kind of amazes me how, like the the ability to get this many deliveries out to this many people at all boggles the mind. It is absolutely incredible that they can do this and. 
uh, bravo to the people who figured out how to actually make this kind of scale possible. That said, programmers today are retarded chimps. Yeah, I, I am. I, I was saying before the show that uh, I, I am convinced. You know, Microsoft has basically had three CEOs, right? And the only one that I don't think was pure unadulterated evil was Steve Ballmer. And I know this is an unpopular opinion. A lot of people are like, oh, Ballmer, he sucks. Oh, I hate Ballmer, hate Ballmer. And, and they, they say hate Ballmer in the same way that they say hate Trump, which is they've been told to hate Ballmer. They've been told that this is a bad person. They've been given maybe some vague anecdotes of, oh, you know, he, he terrible, terrible, terrible. And don't when pressed, don't have a specific way of figure of example or explanation as to why they really specifically hate that person. They're just like, well, Balmer, bad, duh, orange man. Right. They want to fit in. Here's the, the three CEOs that Microsoft has had, Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer and Satya Nadella. Now Gates, everybody is generally aware that he is uh, either Satan incarnate or at least some higher level Lord of hell. Hey, he wants to vaccinate the world. Yeah. To destroy us all. Um, you know, nowadays he's just trying to destroy us directly with his bioengineering. But early on, I credit Bill Gates with the being the person at the head of Microsoft with the idea of turning free software into a niche. Because for the first 20 years that people were writing programs, it was the hardware that you purchased and software was just an add on to it. Now, I understand that. The software takes a lot of time to make. I, I have been in that industry, but Gates is the one who said, yeah, no free ride. Any, all software is, he's effectively the one who pushed the idea of intellectual property and made it as huge as it is in regards to software. I blame him for creating the world in which all software required you to go out and buy a license. Okay. That is that is a 30-year-old argument. It's lost. Uh Balmer, what did Balmer do? Scream. Well, not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, the screaming thing. That's all I developers, remember. Developers, 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 developers. But otherwise, the reason why I say Balmer is the only Microsoft CEO that was not pure and adulterated evil is because he wasn't very good at it. He was very stable. In fact, I was at Microsoft during the Balmer era. And it was a boring company. Microsoft never made headlines. My, nobody ever cared about Microsoft. Ballmer left and we got this new CEO. And what's the very first thing he does? And this is the thing, no matter what else he did, people are like, oh, he turned around Microsoft. Microsoft was going the right direction. They just weren't going very fast. And Satya spun it around 360 and said, we're going to head off in a bunch of. Well, here's what Nadella's real legacy is, as far as I'm concerned. He was the one who ushered in the age where software is no longer tested before it's released. He is the one who ushered in the age of the end user is the tester. The, you know, on on the software development side, the main reason why the developer is the tester works is because, oh, everybody is connected to the internet. Every device is connected 24 seven. We can push in automatic updates. People are fine with automatic updates. We can 
all just, oh, I'm sorry, this thing just bricked the systems of three quarters of our users. Quick, push another update before anyone notices. That is now the mindset of software developers. Again, I don't think Nadella was the only person involved in making that happen. But he was, and, and again, because of my history, I look at a lot of things through the lens of one of the biggest companies out there, Microsoft. Nadella was the harbinger of the world where software developers no longer needed to bother testing their software before pushing it out because you're always one more update away. You're always just a patch away. You're always just, you can, hey, we'll just fix it in production if we have to. And that has brought in a world of shitty software because 20 years ago, if you got a, a patch of Word or Excel and a column had pixels out of the way, then there was a bug report. There might have even been an article written about it. The, every bug got scrutinized and the, com the company had to make sure, like uh, when your releases are three years apart, you've got to make sure you find and fix all of those bugs. Right. Nowadays, if, if you're running an app on your phone and it crashes for no reason or a button you need to hit just vanishes for no reason, you're like, oh, I guess it glitched. Close the app, restart it, relaunch it. Oh, look, there it's back. It's fine. You go on. Nobody even reports these. Nobody thinks about them. Everybody just puts up with the worst software bugs, with the worst software. Software is unreliable. It is slow. It is bloated. It is 100 megabytes to run the kind of software we used to do in 60 kilobytes because it's all made of these buggy ass libraries. Software is terrible today. And all of this comes down to Developers don't bother testing because developers can just release another patch if a user finds a bug. Users are the testers. And I blame Satya Nadella for all of this. So this wasn't a case of we're spending all this time, we're spending all this money trying to find the bugs before it's released to the public, but we're only finding 5% of them. So it really doesn't matter if we test it all or not. The amount of things that are being found now, the bugs, this has gone way up since they stopped doing the in-house testing. I'm guessing. Oh, I'm certain of it. I, I, I open up any program today, any program, any app, anything. I still run a lot of software from 2003. Why? Because it's more reliable. Yeah. If you haven't found a problem with it yet, you're probably not going to. But I guarantee you go download a random app, throw a dart at the app store, download a random app. And I challenge you to use it for 24 hours without experiencing a mysterious bug or a crash or something that you're like, that doesn't work right. But you just stop and restart the app on your own because what software developers have done. And this, by the way, is actually genius if they did this intentionally, but I don't believe they did is they have grabbed the Overton window of how people expect their software to work and yanked it over to the, no, people don't expect their software to work. They expect their software to crash randomly and I just have to restart it. And that's how software runs. And that's just how you use apps these days. People just expect that. So nobody complains. And so you get away with it. Have you tried turning it off and on again? 
always. In fact, that is the direct normal path of software development now or of software use. If you want to go use a messaging app, what you you know that all you you like you refresh your messages, you look at it. I, Mastodon, I have to, which is one of the few things I do use all the time. About once a day, I have to control F5 and force restart the entire piece of software in my browser. Just force reload the page. Why? Because some scrolling infinite scroll tab has gotten locked or frozen or or just gives me the little dot 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 or something just stops working. Oh, yeah, that's normal. You just just hit refresh. It all works. Infinite scroll is evil. I like the old anyway, days. Anyway, I Probably didn't need to do this rant. I just am so sick. I, okay, this, no, it this sounds like you needed from, to do the rant. It, it this this comes from having to use more modern software in uh, both my work and personal life. And uh, nope, looking, I got hold on. It looks like a delivery guy calling. Oh yay! Agile software equals fragile software. Hello? Hell yeah! So suffice it to say, I. Um, of the opinion that maybe software developers should test software. I think that software was better when it took three years and, or, okay, this is definitely going to mark me as old, but does anybody out there remember old video games? Like when they were cartridge based, like uh, for the, the Nintendo or the Atari where you w- there was no upgrade or no update path when software was released. It was burned to the ROM on the cartridge and it would never re- be fixed, which meant, for example, all those old games every once in a while they were well tested. So this didn't happen often. But every once in a while, you'd find a glitch in the game, which suddenly turned into a feature because you could exploit uh one of my favorites, and this is this is going way back, and it's probably not not a lot of people played this game, at least not on the original Game Boy, but I loved it, was uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. This was on the old black and white Game Boy, the very first Game Boy. I played the hell out of that one, but I noticed a glitch where when you were moving from screen to screen, uh, it would do an animation where the new screen would scroll in and scroll the old screen off. It, it was it was one of those the old style Zelda. People under twenty five will not even understand this. Back when every time that or everything that you were in in the video game was just one screen, and you moved to the edge of the screen, and what would happen is the whole thing would scroll, and now you'd be on the opposite edge. So if you move out the right edge of a screen. The whole thing would scroll. Now you're on the left edge of the next screen over. And oh, that like was hitfall, man. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, that was how you navigated a lot of video games. But the game uh, Link's Awakening for the original Game Boy. Yes, a black and white game. They did not have color in the Game Boys yet. Uh, there was a bug where if you moved to the screen and during the course of when it was scrolling, you hit the select button to bring up the map. It would pop up the map and finish the scroll in the background, but it wouldn't move your player, which meant that instead of scrolling the screen, like if you move right, it normally scroll and now you're at the left edge of the next screen, but instead you'd be at the right edge of the next screen, which half 
the time, a third of the time would mean that you were getting into some area you weren't supposed to because there was a wall in that screen that you, you know, or a locked door or something you couldn't get through. This was a great, great game breaking bug, but you had to be careful and you had to save scum with it because three quarters of the time, what you'd end up in is a wall and you couldn't move. And the only thing you could do is shut off the Game Boy and start over. But it's kind of uh, like life itself, isn't it? Sometimes that, you just wind up in a wall. That was a bug that slipped through testing. And I, I kind of liked it. I was talking about a lot of bugs back then because there was no update path there. Once something was released, there was no update. There was no way to fix that bug. You can't go recall all of the cartridges and reburn the ROMs. Right. So that was just part of the game. And uh, to finish out that particular story, I made a challenge for myself, which was only possible through the use of this glitch. And by the way, Nintendo has re-released Link's Awakening several times, and they don't have that glitch anymore. So you can only do this on the original Game Boy cartridge. But the challenge I made for myself is finish the entire game with only three heart containers. And what that meant was you you didn't in, I don't know if you've played any Zelda games, but when you play them, you get heart containers two ways, uh, which, which is basically increasing your maximum life. One is you find secrets. Okay. You can avoid all the secrets. That's easy enough to do. But the other is every time you defeat a boss, you can't exit the room until you pick up the the heart container, which raises your maximum life. So if you want to go, you always start with three. So if you want to go through the whole game and never pick up any increases in max life, you can't fight any of the bosses, which means you have to get to the treasure room behind the boss without fighting the boss. And that's where this glitch comes in was you had to glitch through the boss room to avoid the boss so that you could pick up the treasure and never play the bosses. And by the end of the game with only three max life, it was pretty difficult, but that was, that was the challenge for myself. You turned it into a whole different game. And indeed it was a much more difficult game. Okay, now that I'm done talking about games from the 90s that nobody has ever heard of because I'm that old. No, the only one I remember playing was the original Legend of Zelda because it came with the original Nintendo, right? The Nintendo, which, oh yeah, whatever they called the first one. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, Nintendo Entertainment System is what it was called. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. The NES. I had one of those. In fact, the one that I grew up with, I believe Bemlet still has and still has, it still has a bunch of the, the, I don't know if he can play it because the, the video adapter for that was the old, uh, RF scrambler or whatever that, that would super, you, you put, you put it into the coaxial signal from your TV's antenna and it would superimpose the video signal from the console over either channel three or four. And it had the little three, four switch. Yeah. The VHF band. I think that might, I'll I'll be right back. Entertain everybody. I, I just told an awful anecdote that didn't entertain anybody. And now you want me to do it again. Okay. So there I was pack a smokes in one hand and I don't smoke. So ew. uh, (laughs) So anyway, uh, I would just like to point out that uh, technology is evil and you should all go back to the Stone Age because I'm a Luddite and we know this. Tell us about scrambled porn. I I actually confused the crap out of one of my dispatchers at work by mentioning 
this. I had a, okay, I will tell this story. I was describing a, a problem that I was having with the van I was driving the other day. And uh, what was happening is all these vans, because of course their rear view mirror is not really a thing and side mirrors don't work for everybody. I, I actually learned how to use side mirrors so I can back up with just side mirrors, but it's a pain in the butt. The vast majority of these things come with a backup camera, which is just a camera mounted on the back. Actually, you know that everybody here knows that because they all have cars that were built since 2005. But the backup camera on this thing was, I don't know if it was what kind of signal it was delivered by, but it felt like it was delivered by some kind of old school RF. Uh, actually, it had the letters NTSC in the corner, so it might have been. Ooh, yeah, I thought but, it was the Lowe's truck. It's, it's another Amazon delivery, dude. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. Why, how many deliveries are you getting during this show? I don't know. I didn't know there was any more than one, but hey. Okay, so. This particular backup camera had some kind of thing where it was doing the the scramble effect where the the whole image was shifting back and forth and doing like oh like when you everybody used to try to get Cinemax or whatever it was yes, over the and, the and what I told my dispatcher because I I have to report vehicle issues into the radio was I said uh, yeah the thing is the backup camera it's all scrambled he's like well what do you mean scrambled I said uh, well it looks like trying to watch scrambled porn on Cinemax back in the eighties. <laughs> and my dispatcher is not as old as I am and did not get the reference. Like, what do you mean by that? But I tell you that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I did not have a usable backup signal. Absolutely. Well, we had a channel that used to come on. It was an over the air one. So this predated the cable as well in this area. There was an over the air thing where they sold the descramblers, which of course then there was a big pirate market because they weren't exactly using the highest technology to scramble the signals. Yes. Well, the, they were just introducing noise into the signal usually, or, yeah. uh, or uh, hey. I don't actually, I don't know the details, but the fact that it could be descrambled meant that they were introducing some kind of predictable noise into the signal. And all you had to do was run a filter to remove that. And then everything's clear and I'm in the troll yeah. room. A white Mike says, damn, Darren's back. Fuck you, dude. I just followed you on no agenda social earlier. What do you mean? Damn, Darren's back. That's horrible. Well, you keep cutting in right in the middle of my awful anecdotes. And it'll happen Trying again. To bring the sh I'm just show waiting. back on track. When they call, they said 20 minutes. And I'm like, well, that's the, 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 I'm like, I just saw the front of a truck. I'm like, well, were they just missed some not understanding how much 20 minutes was. I'm just no, glad it's, they're showing it's just up. It's just like your cable company. They're going to deliver sometime between 1 p.m. and uh, a week from Thursday. Right, right. And you're correct, NetNet. It was on TV. See, he knows. They had on TV out in Detroit, too. I'm guessing maybe that was everywhere. But it was on TV was what it was called. And there was a little box. And it had two channels on it. There was, like, regular on TV, if I remember right. And then there was, like, on TV after dark. I don't know. I was so sheltered. And see, his dad was the one making even the discramblers with parts from Radio Shack. So right there, yeah, we know NetNed's legit. Because I want to say it was just a like a low-pass filter or something. <laughs> something that anybody with an understanding of electrical engineering could just put this together. And it wasn't quite as complex as reprogramming the cards for the DirecTV dishes back in the day, which was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it, it didn't have some kind of DRM with a you know, 124 bit cipher key or something. No, it was not quite that, uh, 
that bad. The direct TV thing was awesome. Although it got to the point to where every time you reprogram the card, it lasted for like a day and then you had to do it again. So that got to be a pain in the ass. Well, all it really needs to last is one FAP session. and then <laughs> All you see, this is the far you'll go for free TV. <laughs> it's like the technology to me was the most interesting thing. Because when you think about it, like the satellite stuff, they're just beaming it all down to the planet. And if you have a way to decode it, you can enjoy it. And that's the well, arms that's race. Still satellites. That's still what they're doing. Yeah. If you can, it's just decode. a little more complicated to decode now. I know. And the internet, I mean, the internet via satellite with the fact that they're working on the latency problems, the way they are, it's very interesting stuff. But I mean, I guess I know I'm going to be interrupted here, but we can get into the story of the Google getting slapped down where oddly enough, Apple did not. So I don't know what your take is on why Epic won in court versus Google and why Apple beat them. If, was it just due to the fact that Apple is so much more locked down as a singular company where the Android stuff is over so many others? I mean, what what was the main difference here and why did one win and one not? And I guess explain to everybody what happened because this is a rare win for the little guy. Well, it only took, what, four or five years? arguably uh the the difference between the two cases was on the merits i don't know how much that's true because there were certainly a lot of similarities uh there in i don't remember if the apple one was a jury case to you i don't believe it was okay the the google one was in fact the jury case and that makes a lot of difference the I, I was okay. So the details that I have written down, I, I noted the Apple one, which happened uh, what a couple months ago, and is now uh, appeals are on their way to the Supreme Court is their current status. And I guess uh, you know if I were if I were the kind of person who wanted to type while I was talking, I could probably look up the details of the Apple case right now. But the details of the Epic case is that on Monday, uh, the Jury, well, okay. Epic had claimed that Google Play Store was a monopoly, that Google has monopoly power, illegally used that monopoly power to lock, uh, to fix prices, to lock out uh, all other app stores, uh, to keep uh, a, an iron grip on Android, and to prevent competition in the delivery of apps and keep prices high to make sure that Google could skim off their 30%. Right. This is what Epic claimed. Well, they were also pissed off because of the amount being taken for in-app purchases after somebody had purchased the program, yes. got the app of anything inside they wanted their percentage to, which seems a little excessive. I, I agree entirely with Epic on this side. I, I believe that both Google and Apple have been illegally using monopolies on their platform. And the argument, and I, I remember this was definitely the argument that Apple made in their case, and I'm sure Google did too, was, oh, well, we don't have a monopoly. You know, Apple came out and said, we don't have a monopoly because Android exists. Right. Which is kind of a bullshit argument because the moment somebody has sunk $1,200 into a new iPhone, which, okay, 
stupid decision, but it's what all the cool kids are doing. So, of course, everybody is going to jump off the same cliff. Fine. But once you have dropped into that huge hardware purchase and in some cases, more importantly, have sunk hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, if you're particularly addicted into apps in the ecosystem. Just getting up and changing ecosystems means dumping that entire investment and and putting it out all anew. It is not easy to switch. Once you are once you have bought a thousand Android apps, you're not switching to Apple because you're going to lose all of them because you'd have to rebuy them. Right, because it's also not like there are very few software makers like Adobe that will let you transfer your license from one yes. of the to the there, other. There are a couple of software developers and that assumes that you purchased your license from Adobe. But if you purchased your license from Apple through the App Store, which is how almost everything in fact has to be done on a mobile platform, then you can't transfer because whether or not whether or not the developer would like to transfer you. Right. They can't. The the best the developer could do, and now that it's coming out of the developer's pocket, is effectively when you buy a, a license for their software on Apple, they could hand you a free license for the Google Play Store and say, here, now it's cross-platform, but they're still paying Google for that. So developers aren't going to do that. So I happen to agree with pretty much every single claim that Epic levied against Google in this particular case. And it turns out, so did the jury. On every single question posed to the jury in Epic versus Google, the jury found in favor of Epic. In particular, the jury found that Google has monopoly power in Android apps and billing, that Google did anti-competitive things in those markets. They concluded that Epic was, in fact, injured by that behavior, by not being able to put out an Epic app store. They concluded that there was an illegal tie between the Play app store and the Play billing payment services. And the jury concluded that distribution and development deals that Google has with developers are anti-competitive. That's a lot of strikes. At this moment, it, it might be a little premature to call out the case because at this point, it has been thrown to the judge to find out what exactly the judge is going to do about this. It, it, the judge has not decided. It's only been two days. And the court system works very, very slowly. Correct. Uh, so while it's come down against them, their damages have are still a little yeah. further down the road. Well, and here's the interesting bit. For with regards to damages in the case, Epic never asked for monetary damages at all. What Epic asked for was an injunction to stop Google from doing this shit. Well, yeah, because they want to open up their own app store where they can make the loads of dollars that Google yeah, is. Because no matter how much the judge awards, Epic thinks they can make more if they can open an app store on Android, which again, it, Whatever arguments they're going to make in court, the argument of, oh, there's another platform and users can just dump their entire app library and go buy new hardware and buy all new apps. And therefore, it's not a monopoly does not hold water with me. And I I think that common sense is on my side. 
well, common sense think, is not something. No. Common sense doesn't really mean anything in the legal area, though. Well, I still think it's kind of interesting that to have an Epic app store for 99% of the people to be able to install it, they will need to go to the, well, Google app store. Or if you have a Samsung phone, the whatever is originally set up on your phone. If you don't have an app store on your phone, the vast majority of people have no idea how to download something, sideload it, get it on their phone. So that adds to a different problem. Yeah. I I have F droid on my phone, which is in fact, F, the, the existence of stores like F droid is one of the reasons why I fault Apple far more than Google, because it is possible to, I sideloaded F droid and now I can use that as an app store, which is an awful experience and not something I expect most people to be able to do but it is possible to do. And so tiniest amount of sympathy for Google for it being possible, even if not easy Apple. No, there that, that doesn't happen. You basically have to pay Apple what $160 a year for a developer license before you can sideload anything. Yes. Oh, and there's a big ass truck. So I'll be right back. An ass truck. Another yeah, big, big ass, ass truck. truck. Why do they only send ass trucks? Always when I actually like I'm done with my race, could he not get up and go to he can't just go check on the trucks when I'm busy in the middle of a rant and spewing information to people. He has to get up right when I'm like, OK, and to you, Darren, for some color commentary, because I've actually run out of breath and need to sip some coffee. What else did Apple or Epic accuse Google of in that lawsuit? Uh, secret revenue sharing deals. Um, I think that's probably true. The number of back room things, uh, locking out alternate app stores. Well, they certainly locked them out of play. The existence of F droid. I don't know. Uh, I don't have much else on this particular topic other than to say, uh, fuck Google and fuck Apple. So, uh, troll room. What do you have? I didn't know TVs had, didn't have RCA jacks back then. So my dad. RCA. Okay. And if NetNed remembers a time when TVs didn't have RCA jacks, then you are in fact older than I am. Oh, I went live ish today. Diff is Google is currently in the DOJ crosshairs. Did you guru? I think you just nailed it. Is the question is always which one is the evil company and which one can do no wrong. And I think this also impacts uh, juries. All of these trials are in the central California district, whatever it is, San Francisco district. And so you're going to be picking a jury from the street shitters in San Francisco or wherever. And those juries who are swayed by popular propaganda, when the government comes out and says, Google is actually evil and the DOJ is investigating and people look at this and go, huh, maybe Google's still evil. But Apple, yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about Apple. And that absolutely affects juries. So when a jury comes out and says, yeah, we, we, think, that, we think that Apple is, is totally okay with completely locking everybody out of their platform because, because it's their platform. And, and any user stupid enough to buy Apple hardware should be locked in. We think that's right because Apple is good because my social media told me Apple is good and we can't dispute social media. It's very important to make sure that, that we don't get chastised or canceled because we said something that social media doesn't approve of. And 
Darren, where the hell are you? Tired of vamping. And also, I need to take a sip of coffee. Love that sweet dead air, don't you? Yeah, I love dead air. Hey, that was quick, though. How fast was that delivery? <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's, it's 1130-ish. The guy said they still have to go to Gary, Indiana. So this wasn't even the worst stop they had to make today. No. Like, really? You got to go to Gary? Damn, that's not, uh, that's, that's not recommended. That's also not that close. No. No, it is not. And again, they came from like the north side of Chicago. I mean, it's closer to you than it is to me, but that's still not that close. Yeah, but it's still not very close at all. That is absolutely true. See, when I do deliveries, I have maybe 10, 15 miles from where I pick up the deliveries to the area. But then everything is in about a little two mile area because we do so many deliveries. They're just, yeah, your route is all the houses within one mile of here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder like really how many. How far of an area even one truck would cover? You think it's like two streets when there's an, at this time of year? Yeah, well, it's this time of year. The whatever AI they have making their routes is on crack. Um, I, I have had in, in the crazy rush, uh, let's see, yesterday. So my route yesterday. Um, now, a, a decent driver in this particular business can do about 15 stops an hour, which is a stop every four minutes. That's park the truck, go find the right package, get out, put the package down, take a picture of it, get back in the truck, drive to the next place. Uh, Four minutes. That's 15 stops an hour. Uh, You get basically eight hours, which means that a decent driver who's not lagging or, or, you know, crippled can do about 120 stops in a day. Um, a really good rock star driver can cut that down to three minutes per stop with a good route. And that means, okay, let's push it up to eight hours. Let's call it 160 stops is a rock star driver. They handed me 182 stops yesterday. <laughs> and you did it in 14 minutes. No, I didn't do it all because, because the state of Washington actually has limits. Everybody who drives commercially cannot be on the road more than a set number of hours, period. Because it's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. You might yeah, yeah, run yeah. over children, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, that's I do that just to entertain right. myself. <laughs> right. You got to keep yourself entertained throughout the day. So I, I don't understand what their algo thinks it's doing, giving more stops and more package. Like uh, all of those extra packages are not going to be delivered. I'm it is it is impossible in the time limit offered for those things to be delivered. So all you're doing is by loading them into my route is cluttering up my van with a bunch of crap that is going to slow me down because I have to search around it to find the right package. I well, that's why I was assuming that that was going to be the scam today was, well, it was loaded on the truck, but we didn't quite make your stop. Well, uh, the what what ends up happening because I drive as part of a fleet is I reach the end of my day and they send another driver who, by the way, has also been overloaded with packages to pick up everything that I had because I'm reaching the limit of my work schedule. I can't deliver anymore. So we meet up somewhere out on the road. I dump all of my extra packages on that poor driver who, if you're the last driver at the end of the day, it's like musical chairs. You just take whatever part of your route you can't deliver and you take it back to the warehouse. It's the worst sloppy seconds ever. 
And then, of course, I've got, you know, the the app decides which stops you'll do in order. And wh- and when I first started here, it kind of made sense. You, well, first of all, the routes were normal length, but it kind of made sense. It was like, go here, go here, go here, do a methodical thing. Now, they do this obnoxious thing where it makes me cross the street. And so you go down a street from like north to south or east to west and just crossing back and forth to all the addresses on the street, which works fine when it's a residential 25 mile an hour street. But when it's a state highway (laughs) at rush hour, having me go back and forth across the damn thing is not safe. Oh, dude, come on. You were just talking about 90s video games. Tell me how many hours of Frogger you played. Come on. Oh, my God. Well, what I do is I, I will go in and manually rearrange, which is, of course, very difficult in the app because they want you to do it their way. But the problem is, if you don't pay close attention to where all your stops are and memorize the location of all 180 of those stops before you start, you will end up just doing it in the order they specify. And I've had multiple times when I'm like, I will pull up to an address and look at the house and go right there on the doorstep is a package I dropped off to the next door house an hour ago. <laughs> like that yeah. is not efficiency. This is not efficiency because I driving all over hell and back and okay, fine. You know what? I don't want to whine about the delivery business today. You don't. Then why are you? Because it's what I do. Did we get all the way through or you all the way through the Epic Games thing? Is there any more to be said? I did. I was kind of hoping that you would look up some details on the Apple. Like, why is this still going on? Like, well, my my understanding is it's in appeals, but I I just thought you'd, you know, be able to compare and contrast and, and cover for the fact that I didn't do all the research. And the fact that it's like, well, why did one win and one lose? I don't understand. But yeah, the Supreme Court is. Uh, has been asked by Epic to hear the case. It doesn't mean they will. No, it doesn't mean they will. It doesn't mean they'll find in favor of Epic. Because we know that we know that the the nice folks over at Google are going to be going to the next level as well. So it really doesn't matter who wins or loses 90% of these things until it gets to the final destination. You look at this case and go, yeah, of course, Google's a, a monopoly. And I'm sure glad that this case means that they're going to fix everything. No. It'll be, you know, five, eight, 10 years before cases like this get resolved and Google can make a whole lot of monopoly money. The before Verge then. articles talking about contract. So uh, breaching the contract. So maybe Epic signed a contract with Apple, then didn't like the terms, which is also that's a no, no, do not get into a contract. You know, I understand this is where it goes. And they're like, yeah, but. I couldn't sell my game through Apple unless I, you know, signed the contract. Well, you signed the contract and well, here are the details of the contract. Well, you agreed then that Apple would get the share. Yeah, but I didn't think it was fair, but the only way I could sell it, I did this because I didn't like it, but I had to. And then you're like, well, but a contract's a contract, bitch. I, I mean, you, your point, you're spot on with your point is don't enter contracts that you don't want to uh, honor, but The wrinkle is, and this is something that we know about Apple in particular, but every huge corporation, especially Silicon Valley, loves their contracts of adhesion. Uh, All the EULAs, baby, man. If you only read every EULA for every piece of software you've ever used, you would have so much free time. That's what a EULA is. That's what a terms of service is. They They are not only 
are they contracts of adhesion, but they are intentionally worded to be so long that nobody reads them, which means that the effective contract with these big corporations is corporation does whatever the hell they want. You have no rights. Take it or leave it. So you're saying when Apple shows up and they're like, we're here for your wives and daughters. What do you mean? Which is the, the legal term for that is called a contract of adhesion, which is a contract in which. And, and there are there are several specific things that you need to, to call something a contract of adhesion. Uh, the contract needs to be written by the party with higher bargaining power. There needs to be a huge bargaining imbalance. The contract needs to be of the type, take it or leave it. There needs to be uh, no mechanism for uh, modifications to any clause of the contract. Uh, the person with less bargaining power is left with no choice but to do whatever the hell the the usually big corporation wants or walk away entirely with no room for negotiation, no room for anything in between. And that's called a contract of adhesion. And it actually brings in uh, some particular law precedents that I wish would be whipped out more often. Yeah. And well, it's again, the wheels of justice are very slow. So when you try to go fight this stuff, we've been covering this since the case was started up. And that is over three years ago. It doesn't seem like that long, but it's been over three years. Oh, yes. The, their, the global warming moves faster than the legal oh, yeah, system. Totally, man. That hockey stick going way up. But if you're a small developer, I can see, I mean, you trying to fight either Google or Apple is not a winning move so i applaud epic for being the one to bite the bullet because what happens with this case beyond just with epic is going to have repercussions for any smaller software company yeah, because if epic wins here then any you and i could start a software company tomorrow and be like well we can have the grumpy old ben's uh, play store and if if you listen to the Press releases from Epic, which again are their own kind of propaganda, but I believe it to an extent. That is exactly why they're bringing this case is they're saying, well, we we have enough money. By the way, they have enough money for one reason. The word Fortnite. Yeah, well, but that's all it takes, man. Yeah, it, it, one runaway hit and they had a nice big war chest that they are deciding to throw away legally. And if you listen to the CEO who fancies himself the champion of the people, what he is saying is the reason we're doing this is because we can. We're doing it for all of the tiny little developers, the indie developers who can't. And that's a neat idea. And it's it's very altruistic. And there's no way in hell I believe that's the only reason they're doing it. This from an article on CNBC. But it's good enough says one major difference was that epic had a harder time finding documentation from inside apple another is oh that imagine Google, that uh-huh well i guess there was tons of documentation with the google side on secret deals they were making and all this information came out which when it goes in front of a jury especially they're like oh fuck you you people are douchebags and yeah, that helps. Apple has that building that's a big circle that nothing can leak out of. It also says that another is that Google's Android will allow software to be installed from the Internet, a process called sideloading while Apple bars yes. that. Which should be in the like that should make the case against Apple being a monopoly or uh, for yes. Apple being a monopoly much stronger rather than bringing the opposite uh, verdict in court. 
but I see where they're going with, well, that Google already allows you to sideload things. So why would you stop people from sideloading only certain things? And I, I don't know exactly what's in place. If Epic wanted to have their own shop, if they wanted to have their own store, whatever you want to call it, was Google doing something to make that impossible? I'm guessing they were because of this. They're like, well, you can't have it because you owe us. I imagine the, the, I didn't actually read Epic's complaint because, oh my God, it like, I know a lot of paperwork, lots yeah, of and paperwork. nails on chalkboard, reading legal documents. Uh, I, I, most of what I know, I got from the verge, their summary of the thing, which, uh, the verge in between their terrible website and biased reporting tends to accidentally sprinkle facts in. And that's what I tried to pull out. But the, the fact that uh, several of the clauses of the complaint had to do with billing suggests to me, and, and again, let's just imagine that I'm talking out of my ass and didn't do any research, that what Google was pro- keeping Epic from was some kind of a billing system. And in particular, uh, the Google Play billing system that allows you to pay for everything. It's, it's the same, the same thing as your your Apple account on the other side. I think what Epic was asking for is let us put an app store in and use the billing system that is built into and integrated with Android. And Google said, no, that's only for play. And that right there, at least according to the jury was the, uh, anti-competitive thing where they illegally tied two of their services together. Kind of makes sense. And the uh, CEO of Epic said, quote, the big difference between Apple and Google is Apple didn't write anything down. So I like that, that Apple yeah. is, uh, they're going that, with the mafioso tactic. That actually makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, Do not you know, write when, anything down. Do I think Apple has a, a customized email system. It's like this message will self-destruct in five seconds. It's not a bad idea. Maybe they can use Signal. Can they? No, maybe not, because they may be going bankrupt now that the CIA is not funding them. Oh, no. I thought this is interesting. A story that is not being covered almost anywhere. This popped up on my radar, and I'm like, well, let me do a little bit more research. And trying to do the research was like cricket. So either it means this is totally a farce. Or it means there's some truth to it, because what you're finding when you try to go, if you go into your favorite search engine yeah. you do a search for signal and cia like two or three years ago there's a bunch of talk on reddit oh the wasteland that it is which basically is talking about the signal platform being while not necessarily run by the cia definitely definitely it's an op spun off a spin-off yes that's a better way to put it and I was really intrigued by the fact that the same article pointed out that the Tor network was funded and created by government agencies so that our spies and people working overseas have a way to communicate without being caught. And if they were the only ones using it, well, then. You know, it might be a lot easier to track them down. This was like, well, let's invite a bunch of I mean, other I, people to use our thing. 
I find this to be completely plausible. Yes, uh, I can Let see us that. not forget in times even before you and I that the internet itself was created by a government agency who was trying yes. to come up with a way to have global communications that were difficult to knock out. That would make sense. I mean, it's easier to knock out now that the, the corporations in charge of it have made censorship one of their religious goals, but. It but just, that was the original. It's just wild to think about what the Tor network has turned into, you know, the whole dark web with the association with the Tor network, with things like Signal being allegedly open source, end to end encryption. So the big thing, you know, a couple of years ago was that, well, of course, there's, there has to be a backdoor in this. And that's not necessarily true. Just because the CIA was punching in a bunch of money into the thing. I mean, I can understand how you get there very quickly in the conspiracy realm, but it could also be that the CIA needed people to be able to communicate this way, including people in places like Iran, where they're looking to do regime change and they want the people, the boots on the ground to be able to communicate with each other. That doesn't mean that they have access to those communications. Sometimes the you know, again, the ends justify the means here. And they're like, well, okay, well, there's other people doing these kind of things, but we want to make sure that the people that we're backing have a secure way to communicate with each other. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're able to read those communications. Now, if it's open source, I would think that people way smarter than me, coders like you and others would be able to look at the code and go, it's either secure or it's not. And as far as I can tell, Nobody's ever found any backdoor or anything in the signal well, app, but the CIA has been punching billions or millions of dollars into this every year. Well, according to Wikipedia, it is open source. And more importantly, I found a GitHub that argues it has the app source. So I, I don't know if there's some kind of separate core that's closed source. I'm, I'm not familiar enough with signal, but I'm going to go with, yeah, it's probably open source. and. Being open source, it, uh, uh, Eric S. Raymond always, and if you don't know who that is, then you're probably a normal, well-adjusted human being. <laughs> Originally, or liked to coin, or not coin, uh, liked to repeat a cliche in the open source movement that was uh, many eyes make shallow bugs or something to that effect. And it is the idea that the moment something is open source, then all bugs will be found because there's so many people looking at it. Now, that line is utterly, completely false because as we've, pro we've seen so many examples of, there's a lot fewer people looking at the source code daily, especially when they don't know what to look for than you ever expect. You can publish something on GitHub, and if you're lucky, three people will comb through the source and go, yeah, I guess there's a bug there. You don't expect that. But what open source does still have is once somebody points out and says, hey, there's a backdoor in this. Right. Suddenly that is sensational. And now people can and people often do go and comb through the source code. So what whereas I don't believe it's true that bugs, backdoors, et cetera, will automatically be found just by publishing the source. It is verifiable. If somebody says, hey, there's a backdoor, it is possible 
for someone who knows what they're looking for to go through and find it. And the fact that you're reading articles about Signal has a backdoor means that somebody is going to be going and looking at this GitHub, github.com slash signal app. So, I mean, it's not like they're hiding it well. Right. Somebody will have looked at that and gone, yeah, here's here's a backdoor. Like, it, it is very difficult to hide a backdoor in open source once people are looking for it. It's easy to hide it when nobody's looking. The question may be why it's costing millions of dollars to run this company. That is an important question. You know, unless it is strictly to run these servers that move the messages around. And I'm not even sure how much of a drain that would be. I don't know exactly how their system is working, but I have played around with things like Tox and other open source that nobody uses. That as far as I can tell, the only thing the intermediary servers were doing was keeping your current IP address. So if somebody was trying to send you a message, it knew where you were. And then all the messages went direct. Once you know where somebody is, once I know where Sir Bemrose is, I could just go right to you, to your IP address. I don't need a server in the middle. I mean, one of the reasons that I don't use Signal is because it's it's centralized. because every single user of it has to check in with a single central server or or cluster thereof. Yeah. Gene made me go to it. So, I mean, they're right there. It should have been a red flag. Like <laughs> Gene is a very centralized person. Very Russian. He spy is, kind he of is guy. entirely in Austin right now. Yeah. Or Moscow. Is he? You never know. I try not to, but that's where I went. Cause I'm like, well, when the wife went to the Apple phone, just like, you know, that lockdown ecosystem that it is, we probably talked about it on here. Talks and the Apple system, the program, the apps were just not all that great. And Gene's like, I use signal. It's great. <laughs> so sure. That's what I did, but I don't expect it to be safe and secure, whether it is or not. I can only imagine for any app that is truly end to end encrypted and secure and signal may be the telegram may be it beyond the multi-user chats, which I know go to a central server to be held i can only imagine the horrible things that go on within encrypted messengers i do not want to see the content oh no no that's a feature of encryption is that no matter how much i listen to the wire i don't have to be subjected to what you're saying correct all you just see is little bits and bits you don't know what they're saying you don't know don't need to see your selfies nope do not want to see your selfies do not. Don't need to hear some inane preening from two teenagers who are infatuated with each other. And and unlike when when we were kids and you just tie up the only phone line in the house for hours. Right. That now they just wear their thumbs out. Which is very weird. The communications today are very weird. Just imagine the level of monitoring. Because I think most people still just use the normal sms texting which one your phone is logging and i know you can go in and pretend you delete it but the phone companies are logging like you gotta at least do something to try to protect your privacy and i bet most people that listen to this show do but don't use sms do not use anything like that for anything but the most mundane thing 
This this is why several corporations are all trying to replace SMS with. Uh, are you familiar with this thing called RCS? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, Apple has already de facto replaced all SMS with iMessage, but it only works in Apple. So Google, especially, but also uh, Verizon. Um, but let, let's just say Google, because Google's evil and I like to punch at them has decided to come up with a new, much more open protocol, RCS, that is not controlled by Apple and therefore is superior. What Google doesn't mention, of course, is that their implementation is completely centralized and controlled by Google. So the same thing. So I don't want it. But um, they want your data. I mean, I, I, I'm in favor of competing protocols, but give me the one that isn't completely locked down by a corporation and maybe I'll maybe we'll talk. I the reason why SMS still exists is because nobody has come up with a solution that they haven't added really crappy features to. This is I don't know. This is why compact discs are still a thing, by the way, because uh, every and actually, I don't know if they still are. I don't find oh, they're music. still out. There. Yeah, I mean, okay. they're coming back as well. And there are some new uh, CD players coming out there. A lot of people think they're going to have a resurgence much the way that vinyl did, especially as more and more stories pop up. And we basically just mentioned it briefly on the last show. But the more stories you have of, well, I woke up today and X is now missing from my streaming platform oh let's just say all your taylor swift songs happy birthday taylor she's 34 today but let's just say all of her songs disappear from spotify tomorrow there's going to be a lot of pissed off taylor swift fans yeah but they're taylor swift fans so nobody cares oh and they and to be fair they'll go to her streaming service that she launched for 10 times the price <laughs> and uh, you know good on her I, I i have respect for her business acumen uh i don't care for her music and I don't really want to hear her name all the damn time. But, uh, you know, you go, girl. <laughs> you go, girl. You make your billion dollars. That's instead of Spotify, you just go to TaylorFi or whatever it is. I don't want to know. Yeah, well, uh, any kind of service where you don't own your content is, uh, well, um, I mean, you're rolling the dice. Every single time you buy a digital library, we've gone over that before. It's the yin and yang. I mean, I guess for this audience, maybe we should more celebrate uh, Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent's birthday also today. Both Ted Nugent and Taylor Swift, probably on the top five of my favorite artists, born on the same day. How weird is that? Ted Nugent and Taylor Swift may share a birthday and their interest in music, but I think it, or, and they're the fact that they're both musicians, but I think it ends there. I want to see Taylor Swift bow hunting, or as I saw a clip the other day of Ted Nugent hunting wild boar from a helicopter i want to see taylor swift doing that i want to see her with the machine gun just mowing down them piggies i want to see ted nugent hunting taylor swift from a helicopter (laughs) now that's some rare game right there you put her up on the wall is that you know kind of like you do with the uh the the big antler you know animal things you know those deer and uh, bucks and just put them right up there i don't think they allow that quite yet well, uh, it's really a matter of when you get caught, right? True. And uh, yesterday was Frank Sinatra's birthday. So another one of my top five right there, all born like in with the same couple of days in December. Very weird. It's yeah. It's like 
Did you know, fun fact, I, I, this is, this is going to sound weird to you. A 12th of all the people in the world were born in December. That's not true because February is shorter. Are you arguing with me? <laughs> Isn't that what this source? show is all about? Source, please. Yeah. Source, Wait, please. You want us to have sources on this show? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. February has 28 days. Citation needed. Yeah. <laughs> Calendar. <laughs> I Prove you. it. You got it. Well, don't you have a calendar? Yeah. Do you, do you have a reputable government source? No, sir. There's no such thing. No, it's just a calendar. And there is no <laughs> reputable source. Yeah. Yeah. My, my source is Emperor Gregor from the 6th century. Digiguru says it's called mounting your trophy. I'd like to mount that trophy. Let me tell you what I'm saying, Digi. Whoa. Hey, yo. I asked uh, CSB about this next story, which came from the sun, which, you know, it's a great story when it comes from the U.S. sun. Would you prefer it comes from the moon or some other celestial object? Yes, that would be Uranus much better. <laughs> Chat GPT. That is, in fact, where most of my articles come from. <laughs> and we finally figured out the secret. I, mean, I did say the verge earlier. Chat GPT may have become seasonally depressed as creators race <laughs> to fix the AI after users moan over bizarre change. I think it's kind of funny that people are like, yeah, Chat GPT seeming a little lethargic. Uh, you think it's because of the uh, seasonal the depression? Do you think that might be it? And I. There was a lot. I of, think that the the human urge to anthropomorphize things that we don't understand is extremely strong here. Yeah, uh, let's see. The folks over at Chat GPT over at OpenAI wrote on X.com. We've heard all of your feedback about GPT four getting lazier. We haven't updated the model since November eleventh, and this certainly isn't intentional. So uh, no, of course it's not. Nothing with that is intentional because you people. The dark secret is that the software developers who are supposedly in charge of these things don't understand how it works. They have no idea. CSB Sorry, was like, CSB. No, Truth, he was right. Nobody understands the system. He does because he's like, follow the money. He's like, this is all just uh, the well, company. As far as I'm aware, CSB is just an AI, that a time-traveling AI that's about 100 generations ahead. This is possible because he's like, follow the money. They're just trying to use less computing cycles. That's why I mean, have, GPT seems like it's lazier. They're have you ever seen a picture of CSB and chat GPT in the same room at the same time? No, that's true. But it's like, that's it. Follow the money. That makes total sense that yeah. it's just, they want to use less server resources. Like I could see that they're trying to save some cash, bounce it down to a cheaper model. You know, AI is not actually that innovative. The, the new generative stuff we, for as long as I was in software development and have been, we have had software that people don't understand for a long time. The only difference is people now think it's a feature that you don't understand it. We used to say, Oh, this is a, a source of bugs. This is security hole. This is engineering debt. Now it's like, Oh yeah, it's mysterious. What, what is the difference between Oh, I didn't anticipate that weird interaction when we started doing integration testing between two modules that were supposed to mesh up and now they're breaking the system. The difference between that and, oh, it's being depressed. Well, yeah, I filed a lot of bugs, whereas the, the Windows was depressed. 
Well, what's it doing? Uh, well, it's formatting my hard drive. Oh, yeah, that's a sign of depression. Get me some <laughs> e-Prozac. Hey, I had somebody at one point that swears they saw the Windows error code, big bad windows confused. <laughs> Which I think would have been the most great error code in the history of error codes. If somebody had written that into the Windows code, that the weirdest of all weird things, whatever caused it, big, bad, Windows confused. I am I am not familiar with that one in the Windows code base. I will say, having uh, made a few calls to the message box AI or API, AI, the message box API, that uh, it's not difficult to create a dialog box that does that. And uh, some asshole in the UK is trying to use my email address again for a mobile phone account. Cool. Just, just popped up. Hey, is more it? free stuff. Just change the delivery address. I'm kind of thinking. So if you're the Darren O'Neill in West Midlands on Vicarage Street, fucking stop it. If anybody knows yeah. this guy, make him stop. Although there's one in I, Canada, too, and there's one in Australia. I, just saying you can i mean you can make out like a bandit if you just go into the account like obviously you have access to the account just go in there and yes yes this this dude he he may be in ireland but his shipping address is just outside of chirac yeah vicarage street v-i-c-a-r-a-g-e there's rage right in the fucking name this might be a this might be show content for monday (laughs) it might be it's like, come on, how do you not know? Then it's like your order. Here are your legal documents. Here are your pre-contract documents. So this is this is already four different emails plus, and it's probably all something they need a response from the asshole. And he's like, I'm not getting them because I don't know my email address. I don't like people that use my email address. Have you gotten I, that? That's why I never email you anything. Exactly. Never use, whatever you do, never use my email address. Yeah. I, I have spammers use my email address all the time and I hate it. Like, stop sending me things. I didn't publish an email address so that you could spam me. In uh-huh. fact, I didn't publish an email address. You're not in the white pages? Yeah. No. The white pages. Uh, the white pages is still a thing. I don't know. Are they? I mean, that's people like, what are they talking about? First, they were talking about games from the 1990s. What's a Zelda? Nobody under 40 even comprehends the idea of the white page. What do you mean? There's a book that has everybody in it? CSB on No Agenda Social says, I just sent you some stats because I liked Ryan's talk about software quality. Yes, he tried to send me some stats, but of course, I have not fixed my node yet because but if that's you send going them to directly to gob we do have an account that's taking your sats and holding them for you yes and if you're particularly clever you can even pick out uh, of the gob rss feed and figure out where that but yeah it's not oh, very hard it's not very difficult yeah. but honestly uh if if you want to send me something right now send it to gob because darren deserves at least some of that for backing me up and setting up something because I have been, well, I'm not going to say lazy, but I've been indisposed and unable to work on a lot of computable things. Like you've been working out in the wild. Yeah. In the elements where they want you to deliver three packages a minute. Yeah. Something like that. Even Ron Jeremy couldn't deliver three packages a minute. Oh, that sounds like a challenge. No beret. Does Sir Bemrose know David William Dave Plummer Dave's Garage? No, I don't follow YouTubers. Dave's Garage. 
Who's Dave and why is he in a garage? I have no idea. I'm guessing that no beret does. He might be in my garage. I don't freezer. even know that he's a YouTuber, but I've had too many people say, Hey, do you follow this YouTuber? I'm like, no, because I don't have, well, I don't have a YouTube account. I don't spend time at YouTube. I, a lot of people out there, even a lot of people I hang out with are just spend all their, they spend the amount of time on YouTube that people 30 years ago spent staring at broadcast television. Oh, correct. That it has rots your changed. brain. Right. Well, it's even, I think it, I was going to say it's even worse, but there are exceptions. I'll, I'll go that route. Now, there are very, very specific things. If you find some content that's quality and that's highly subjective and you go directly to that, then uh, it's kind of like following a podcast for people who don't understand how to podcast. Well, it's all that Sturgeon's Law thing again, because anybody can the, make a video. I mean, the, the absolute worst thing you can do on YouTube is let Google's algo pick something for you. because. Now you're slipping back into, into the boob tube era. Oh yeah. Where people used to get paid a lot of money to be like, well, if this show's on at seven, this needs to be on at seven 30, then this needs to be on at eight because we want to keep the people throughout the whole run. Yeah. You didn't want to, which put is exactly what Google's doing. Only it's a lot less transparent. Yeah. And it, it's nonstop. It's not just three hours a night. It goes on for 24 hours yeah. a day. Yeah. They're like, we will continue. Feeding crap into your brain until you are exhausted and cannot open your eyes anymore. Until it explodes. Although I don't even know if they ever stop. Yeah. No, Google does not have Google does not play the star spangled banner and put up the Indian head logo. <laughs> oh God. I remember those days too. <laughs> I remember those, but I mean, most of these streaming things that I have, it's really, it, it can be quite annoying because I watch the NASCAR races through the direct TV app and two or three hours in, I love the, are you still watching this? It's like, <laughs> yes, fuck you. Yes. I mean, I, oh God, I used to get that. I used to get that with Netflix. It was actually, I had a laptop connected to my big screen TV and would watch Netflix from the couch and the necessity to get up off the couch at the end of every episode and click. Yes. I'm still watching. Right eventually right. made me stop doing it yeah i mean i get it if it's a streaming service and it's been 12 hours maybe or more but after only a couple of hours no just assume they are still watching it uh and cotton gin shots fired aren't you describing the no agenda stream too oh yes oh he's going after ryan bemrose the curator but the ai that determines the order of show what what comes up next on the no agenda stream is much dumber as a matter of fact, the AI that determines which shows come in which order on the no agenda stream is very random. Is dev random. <laughs> it's doing a great that is job. Literally how, that is literally how the order of podcasts on the stream is determined is I just sort the list by random sort. My favorite thing every time I update. is when you get like five songs in a row because it doesn't know that. Yeah, there there is that bug and I just leave it because, you know, people need more music in their lives. Pew, pew. You can go to Booster Graham Ball. You can go to the Rock and Roll pre-show. You can go to the two-hour folk hour. You can go to Rolling On Dot Show. All these great, great music programs out there now. There are a lot of really good programs. In fact, I am 
I intend to do something about it. I just don't know when I'm going to have time for it, which is why I'm not announcing anything. But this is me pre-announcing that I'm not announcing anything. It's a pre-announcement of an announcement that may not come after the announcement. Yes. You never know. We are a value I, I, for value. I don't show. even know. We can do some. We can uh, thank some people right now. If okay. Like. I have I have two more AI stories. Do you want to that do those actually, before we get to the... Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, the EU laws regulating AI. Go it, EU. This is, yeah, this, I saw this one too. Yeah, like, really? This is just a... This is so far just a draft, so it will change as soon as the corporations get their foothold into the text of the legislation. But I just wanted to bring it up so that it's on the radar. This is, and also so that we can scoop no agenda tomorrow, because this is the kind of thing Adam has been going on about is, is the, all of the, the hype and, oh, AI is scary. It's going to kill us all. AI is bad. AI is, we can't have unregulated AI. Well, the EU doesn't want you to have unregulated anything. Well, there is that. Adam's point, and I don't disagree, has been that the the thing that is the scariest is unregulated AI because that would democratize the technology and make it so that the big corporations couldn't monetize it as much. And therefore, of course, it's in their best interest for government to step in and lock it down. And the EU has absolutely taken the bait. We have had enough rhetoric now about how scary unchecked AI is. Oh my God, we're going to be overrun by a race of six-fingered images or something. And they have drafted this proposal. So I wanted to just, just as a heads up, this is not the last we're going to hear about it because it's, it's far from being a law. And like I said, the corporations haven't inserted enough into it yet. But what it does is it, well, first of all, at the very top of the legislation, um, it says effectively what the EU likes to do. It establishes obligations for providers and users of AI. Because, of course, we can't, freedom is the worst thing in the world to the people running the EU. We cannot possibly have people making their own decisions. No, we have to make decisions for them. So here is another list of obligations, things that you must and must not do. Okay, fine. So the first thing that it does is it defines uh, particular levels of risk for AI applications and wants to regulate all of them. So I was going to list you the kinds of things that it considers at what level of risk. Uh, The top tier is unacceptable AI risk. The EU will not allow anything here. Cognitive behavioral manipulation. Uh, The example they give is voice-activated toys that encourage dangerous behavior in children. (laughs) They do not want to allow AI to do mind control. They don't want AI to use psychological manipulation. They don't want... The only thing I see here is no AI propaganda. (laughs) Well, and it's exactly, though, what every social media company is already doing. Yes. (laughs) So there's that. But you can't use AI to do it, I guess. Well, and the funny thing is that these companies are already using an algo to do it. And what's the difference between an algo and AI? Marketing. Right. One is set and created by a human, I guess, rather than set and created by an AI. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because the Google search algo 
has been tweaking itself. It has been machine learning for a decade. Hey, I think everybody, I think the only difference is marketing. And, and, you know, AI is in fact, in this document, very, very poorly described or defined. So it either needs a lot of refinement or you're going to have a lot of lawsuits where people, the first question is, is something AI or is it just an algorithm? The lines are blurry. Yeah. And okay. what is a cognitive behavioral manipulation it's like well that means uh, getting well, you that, to do yeah. something getting you to click that subscribe button getting you to donate to a podcast getting you to buy a product are all cognitive behavioral yes. manipulations Get, getting your kids to cut their penis off without telling you totally cognitive behavioral manipulation so also on the unacceptable list uh social scoring straight out I'm not even sure this one is, is much better defined and I'm not even sure I have that. Like I, okay. You know what? I will give you some credit. The, the idea not social of credit, not so I will not give you social credit. In fact, listening to this podcast will damage your social credit score. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this, you are so far in the red. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're on a list. And by the way, you know, come get on our list too of donors. Okay be an expert that was that was shameless <laughs> also unacceptable real-time and remote biometric id such as facial recognition they do not want ais to be involved in facial recognition or any kind of biometrics now uh, are they these early rounds of facial recognition that have been around we talked about this years ago with things like casinos in Vegas, there are facial recognition systems out there that are not AI. So what's the difference? Well, again, we go back to my, my core problem with this is that AI is very poorly defined and the, the line between what is and isn't AI is really, really vague, right? This is going to be the loophole people are going to be looking for to, Oh, it is. To get uh, their product however and the, you know you, ai is not allowed to do to be connected to any kind of facial recognition scheme except this was a glaring exception in it what do you think the exception is for government what, law enforcement use that's it that's it exactly <laughs> so the what government is, can fuck you up but nobody yeah. else what is the allowed to use to connect ai to facial recognition law enforcement of course and uh i, I don't know now, they tried to rein this in a little bit. They say it is only to prosecute serious crimes. But as we know, it is an extremely serious crime to be standing on the street in Washington, D.C. while they're counting votes, for example. So what is what is a serious crime is, of course, not defined in any way. So, yeah, uh, a company, a casino cannot use facial recognition with their AI, but law enforcement. Yeah, I think they did. that. And if it's facial okay, recognition, category. that's not using AI, then it's fine, I guess. <laughs> or, or facial recognition that uses it, uh, that maybe, you know, just saves all the data and, and waits for the next lawsuit. And then I don't know. And then it popped right. Well, that's how a lot or, of it works. Or more importantly, uh, when the private company saves all the data and then they sell it to law enforcement, Right, right. The third party. That's the whole loophole in the United States. Well, we can't spy on your phones, but well, Facebook can and then sell us the data. 
So the high risk category, uh, this is, uh, well, this is any uh, AI applications classified as high risk. Uh, any AI used in products falling under the EU's product safety legis product safety legislation. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that is. I didn't try to read all thousands of pages of of their product safety legislation. It being the EU, I expect that there are entire libraries dedicated to what you can and can't provide. Well, but it probably the changes examples, daily. The examples they gave. <laughs> Product safety uh, categories of products under product safety legislation. The, the list of categories that they gave it ex as examples: aviation, toys, cars, medical devices, and lifts. Which I guess is the European word for elevator. Right, because you don't want them things going I, crazy. Okay, I, so they don't want aviation, or they don't want AI in aviation or cars. I get medical devices. Okay. You don't get an AI powered elevator. Fine. Actually, none of these are banned. This is the high risk category, which I'll explain in a moment, but toys. That's a completely different level from aviation cars, medical devices, and lifts. <laughs> you would think, right? The rest of those are, are life critical and toys. You can't, it's high risk to put AI in toys. Okay. Let me back up the high risk category. Um, anything in the high risk category is going to have to be registered with the government. This is the part that Silicon Valley has been creaming over. If you build an AI in the high risk category, if you put an AI into any toy or airplane, car, medical device, or lift, then you have to register with the government and get government approval before you go to market. That's what they mean by high risk. So that's the regulation that Silicon Valley has been creaming over because they can afford the army of lawyers to go through whatever bureaucratic loopholes are, or not loopholes, bureaucratic red tape that has to be done before you can ship your beanie baby or your fidget spinner, your AI powered fidget spinner. If you are Mattel creating an AI powered fidget spinner, you can afford the 75 lawyers that it's going to take to get through all the red tape. But if you're an independent inventor, you're not bringing a new AI powered toy or AI powered elevator to market in the EU because regulation, they're just now government is going to step in and review and decide whether or not you are allowed to participate in commerce. Welcome to socialism. Yeah, and I would think AI toys are going to be huge. I, I would think so, too. By the way, the, the categories I just read, the, anything falling under the EU's product safety legislation. Again, I didn't read the legislation, but my intuition is that just about every product in the EU uh, for any category anywhere is probably covered in some way under the EU's product safety legislation. The, the European Union government be like that. But okay. Beyond that massive blanket category that covers everything you could possibly put AI into, they also list eight specific categories, which are also very specifically called out as high risk. So these are things that you will have to register with the government and get permission before you make any of these products. Uh, anything that attaches AI to biometric ID, 
anything that connects AI to the management of critical infrastructure. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that means utilities, uh, pipelines. Yeah, uh, you mean the AI, they don't want the AI to turn your electricity off. Now, now, as far as I'm concerned, and I think we've discussed it on this program, uh, critical infrastructure should not be on the Internet at all. No. Let alone attached to an AI. Hey. But what do I know? Yeah, I know. You're a guy that puts wood into a stove and ignites it to get heat. Yeah, and nobody's ever hacked that. No, it's very hard. If you can hack that stove, there's a prize waiting for you. Uh, education and vocational training. You, It is high risk, and you must get the government's permission before you put out uh, an educational app that teaches anybody anything if there's AI attached to it. Um, high risk to attach AI to any application that involves employment, worker management, and access to self-employment, which means that AI will not be replacing HR in the EU. It will here. (laughs) That's okay. Having dealt with enough HR, I think that they need some replacing. Access to and enjoyment of essential private services and public services and benefits. I put that in quotes because I have no idea what it means. Well, it's again, they're trying to cover every base that they can. Uh, another thing that is high risk and you must get government permission, not that I think that this will be too difficult to get law enforcement. If you have, uh, I guess, an AI robot that autonomously goes out, searches for crimes and it, like if you invent ED 209, uh, you need the government's permission before you deploy it, I guess. Uh, oh. Migration, asylum, and border control management. You need the government's permission before you apply any AI to that. If you don't get the government's permission, you have to let all immigrants in manually. Well, this is just insane. A lot of this is what they're calling guardrails on the AI. And I'll give you an example of why. A lot of this is what I'm what I'm calling locking out any new people with regulation so that only the big companies get to use AI. Well, right. Because you can, you can register chat GPT, but those open source models. Well, what if nobody owns them? What if they're open source? Were you going to go to jail? If you put them on the internet, maybe Then, if you bring a product to market that uses an open source AI model, then the EU is going to find you and throw you in jail and ultimately shoot you. If you resist enough, Woo! because you didn't get their permission, the road, microphone company is running some kind of contest i saw on x where they're like tell us in 15 words or less why you should get one of our whole there it's like a white microphone a white mixer it's like it's a whole like basically think small podcasting setup but all in white rather than the normal black microphones and i went into the one ai that's built into brave and said, you know, you give me 15 words on why this great, this road, the white road is great. And it went off on a whole racism thing because you said white. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the of fuck? Course. AI, well, not I, all that impressive. I, the, the AI is being deployed and managed and colored by people in the woke religion. So, of course, it's going to be woke. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's like, right so there's post, why the white and it's like, just because it says white, 
microphone is awesome. So give me a post telling me why the white road microphone is awesome. And it says, yeah. hi there. I like that. That's a great start. It's a Peter Gabriel. Kind hi of thing. there. <laughs> hi there. Hey, there's two of your 15 words. As a helpful and honest AI assistant, I'm happy to share why the white road microphone is awesome. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where did you find a helpful and honest AI assistant? Yeah, this is Leo that comes with brave. I mean, it thinks I'm it's not that convinced way. that exists. Yeah, it's like uh, at least this one didn't. I guess now it didn't go off on the whole racism thing. But when I asked earlier, however, I must have phrased it. It was like, well, let's be very honest about, you know, it, it's like what, what that white and black when it's coming towards fashion choices has nothing to do with racism people but you know this is no no it it guardrails built in it does it's all racism now in fact normal polite discourse has completely removed those two colors from the spectrum you can't have white can't have black and you have to put them in capital letters too that's the other thing Uh, when you say white, if you follow the ap style guide but i don't which you're right why would you but the bots, the AI is going to tell you to do it. They're going to change your writing. So there's one more category uh, of uh, of product that is specifically called out as high risk. And I'm going to play a little game where I ask you to explain why the lawyers who drafted this legislation would have put this product specifically in as AI that cannot be brought to market without government permission. The category is any product that uses AI as assistance in legal interpretation and application of the law. Can't put lawyers out of business. That's ding, ding, ding. I think there's a lot of money. Well, that's again, the lawyers who drafted this legislation don't want their jobs to be lost to AI. Plus, can you just imagine somebody just like feeding into ai like i've had 14 duis i killed a family at 12 i'm going i'm representing myself what should i say you know this is going to be their new legal defense and they're going to stand up and read something that the chat gpt gave them you know if there's one thing that i think would be a perfect application of a large language model it, it would be you know, the, the, the one thing they excel at is finding patterns in and sifting through huge, incredible volumes of data that are too big to fit into any human brain. And one of the biggest purposes of data that is too large for any human being to possibly comprehend is what are all the list of all of the reasons that the government will come to your house and shoot your dog? Right. In other words, all laws. Feed, build an AI and feed all laws into it. And how amazing would it be to have some kind of model that was trained on that corpus of data and just say, hey, I want to do this. Is it illegal? Oh, yeah, because, you know, every law show you've ever watched, there's a great deal of that law show, which is we need to find case law. We need to go through all of these books and all of oh, this yeah. information to find something relevant. Well, let's just click a button now. 85% of the work in the legal profession is pouring over books in law libraries or, or in Pacer looking for case law because there's so much of it that the vast majority of time 
spent by lawyers. Uh, and, you know, if you're if you're a big shot in a big firm, then spent by your army of paralegals is done in research, just trying to find those cases. There's too much. And I don't even know how much case law the European Union has. I guess it depends on the country and how far you're willing to go back. The United States has 250 years of case law, cases all over the place. It One of the reasons why you pay so damn much for lawsuits is because the lawyers have to spend all that time finding their precedents, finding their yes. cases, finding finding which laws you're, uh, are applicable. It's also the reason why there's no such thing as a generic lawyer. No human being could do that. That's why you have to be a tax lawyer or a real estate lawyer or a copyright lawyer or you have to split it up. There's no way you, the, the number of laws is so much. You have to partition it and hand it out to different people, different professions. Imagine what would happen to the legal profession. If you could just feed all laws into a computer and say, you know, find me a case applicable to this situation and bam, there it is. Uncovering this story, Fox business has a paragraph quote, the law would also limit the use of biometric identification systems used by law enforcement, a key sticking point that resulted in negotiations being paused on Thursday as some member states had advocated for its use. However, there are exceptions for targeted searches of victims in abductions, trafficking and sexual exploitation cases, as well as preventing specific and present terrorist threats, end quote. So again, big oh, carve outs. Yeah. I love the laws with big carve outs. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one actually had quite a few places where they not specifically carve outs. And I kind of avoided it because I didn't want another thing to rant about. Right. Because it's like it but doesn't it had, mean anything. It, it had a lot of language uh, around the categories of the all the AI that's scary, that the main justification for everything that they do is because this will be used against disadvantaged people communities and indigenous people. And, and, you know, they, it was pretty clear that the people writing this were perfectly okay with anything anybody wanted to do if it only targeted whites. But let's also imagine a product that's being sold outside of the EU. Well, then what, if you create a toy outside of the EU that uses a wall, then what are you going to, well, you're going to go through and do the, yeah, you're right. We're going to block your, uh, I mean, actually what happens is exactly what they're doing with all of these other draconic online laws in the EU, which is that they are going out of their way to fine American companies. It, you know, Europeans be because socialism and yes, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and provide that explanation with no argument behind it. But because socialism, European companies cannot compete with economies that are actually capitalist. And by that, I honestly, I'd like to include America. I'm not sure we're there anymore, but America has a long history of really rocking in the capitalist space. Uh, China is probably more capitalist than America is right now. Russia is probably more capitalist than America is right now. You can't really start something new. But the old established companies that have been able to rise above the regulatory bullshit are still very strong. European companies cannot compete against Apple, Google, 
Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, especially. But what they can do is whine to their government and say, please find these companies and prevent them from competing with me. And that seems to be the mechanism. I can't wait. It would be could you imagine being a kid with AI toys? That would be cool. Digigrew is is trying to get attention in the troll room. He always pointing does. out that dildos are toys and therefore no AI sex toys. Do you really need to have an AI for that? Uh, Digi, are you that clueless on what's going on down I, there? I, I'm, I think that's already covered by some of the previous ones, possibly management of critical infrastructure or uh, uh, real-time biometrics or possibly uh, things that encourage dangerous behavior in children. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. I mean, can you imagine, did you have, as a child, did you have a 2XL? Or was that probably a little bit? That, that was the time? size of most of my T-shirts when I was a kid. I was not a small child. <laughs> well, now, I mean, I, we're up to like three, four, five XL, but two XL back in the day was a children's toy, learning toy that was sold as a dildo, a robot, for lack of a better term, that it had a few buttons on the front and it would ask questions and you got four answers. And what it was, was a glorified eight track tape player because i had a uh what what was the the bear called that was oh would would, it would move its mouth and it had a it had a tape player in the back and it took me all of about what was it a paddington bear i don't remember what no no teddy ruxpin teddy ruxpin that was it oh yeah i had one of those and it took me all of five minutes to find the compartment in the back that had the tape <laughs> and, and and realized that I could record over that tape and put my own messages to come out of the bear. I love you, Ned. Ned. When something like that came out of it. No, no, it was it was worse than that. Yeah. Well, after you got into the tape and we're like, I can put anything that, in here. Let's just say you take you take a very friendly plush bear that moves its eyes and and honestly, it lived in the uncanny valley, so it was creepy as hell. And you start recording satanic messages on it. And now you move out of the uncanny valley and just into scary. You are going straight to hell. <laughs> okay. Like well, I want to finish up this story. There is one last bit that I pulled out of the draft legislation. And that has to do directly with generative AI, the stuff that creates stories and images and things like that. Oh yeah. From scratch. There are new transparency requirements that any generative AI operating in the European Union must comply with. And again, this is nothing but protectionism for the big corporations who can navigate their way through the the regulation. This will keep you from running, if if you follow the law, (laughs) will keep you from running generative AI on your home system because you will not have government permission and you will not be able to follow these transparency requirements because it's expensive to do this. First, it's also not necessarily possible to do this, even for the big companies. First, anybody who runs a generative AI must disclose anything generated by the AI must disclose that it was generated by the AI. Now, the draft just says must disclose. I imagine that means some kind of watermark. But how the hell do you prove it? Well, you even enforce it. Well, you don't. That's the issue. Well, 
The, I mean, you know, the Bing images AI, whatever that is, or or the ChatGPT or Dolly, or like the big ones, will just put a watermark in there. It might be steganography. It might be something that's only available under laser light or, or black lights or something. But they'll put it in there, and they'll they might even you know if it gets harsh, they might even use DRM to enforce that you can't take it out of the image. Although how they could stop screenshotting, I don't understand. But whatever. But how do you even enforce this? You can't, especially when you're talking about things that are just text. It is impossible to enforce anything. This Amazon's running into the issue, and maybe we talked about it at one point. Now that that maybe even on the last episode, because we were talking about the amount of AI generated drivel that is making it out to the world now as yeah. fiction. And people are freaking out about this. And I'm like, you're not accounting for Sturgeon's law. You're not right. You're not accounting for the fact that what the AI is spitting out right now sucks. And let's be honest, if it gets to the point to where it's good, everybody will be happy because you'll never have to buy a book again. Yes. If it gets good, then you're happy. Otherwise, don't read it. I have absolutely no problem with hard drives being filled up everywhere with utter schlock of trash generated AI stories, whatever. Fine. Do whatever you want. I don't need to see it. I'll wait for the good stuff. And Amazon, I would think it would just be, well, rely on your reviews, but we know how uh, silly that they'll, is. So they'll rely on the, the, AI, the Chinese review factory right, or the AIs net. to write reviews of the yeah. AI writing that the AI wrote. So of course the AI will like the AI writing that the AI wrote, but right. the, Reality would be Amazon is trying to discern what was written by AI and what was not. And I think it's a losing battle. I mean, I understand no. why they're doing it, but it's a losing battle. I know. I understand the motivation behind it, but they, they, they've set out on an impossible task. Correct. Yeah. There's no way to tell. There's no filter that you can run it through that will tell you for certain it well, was written by an AI or not, especially as more and more models come out. It's impossible to track. And again, it's text. There are no telltale signs. You could probably embed in the image generators something that it adds to every image. Like you said, it might be naked to the a watermark. Uh, of yeah, some you, kind. yeah, you may not see it, but it's there. There's something that you won't pick up on that. The filtering software will go. Yep, that was AI. Yeah. But you which, can't which do that will last right up until you encode it through JPEG and then back. Right. And then it's just like, well, now it's slightly blurrier, but nobody can tell it's AI. So win win. So go on. Yeah, I was just because I really I want to do this on. Uh, I just need to acquire enough images and make sure they're not searchable via the usual reverse image search on Google and all that. I want to do a, a test and just see if people can determine whether it's a real person or an AI generated person. Cause I don't think most can. I don't think most of the people on the internet are real people. Anyway, this is probably true. The people listening to this show, not even real, especially digi guru. Uh, yeah. Totally if, not real. If you don't donate, I know you're not a real person. Yeah. You have to go over and boost, 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 motherfucker, boost, so, boost, boost. So anyway, like with all impossible to enforce regulations, the, the you must have a watermark is only going to be used to punish people after the fact. Once you have determined 
that you don't like somebody and are just searching for a set of laws that you can use to punish them. This will be yet another thing. Congratulations. If there is, if there is a fairly simply uh, simple watermark, the, why can't the last I two take things, your work and just add the watermark to it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> See, it's AI. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did ca- counterfeiting. Oh, look, he'll just stamp somebody else's watermark on this. Uh-huh. Clearly illegal. Okay. The last two things. Uh, the Anybody running a generative AI must publish a summary of any copyrighted data used for training. Uh, uh, okay. That's, that's a huge, huge burden to anyone doing it, especially if you're not sure where your stuff came from. It, I, I'm just thinking about how much effort has to go into when a movie is being created. They have the, the people who are trying to clear the copyrights on every single uh, stock photo and clip of audio in the entire movie to make sure you're yeah now everybody who feeds any kind of content at all into ai has to include that 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 is a a monumental task and i'm not sure that's possible but okay go on well i don't Um, know if it's possible to prove what was used i mean again this is something like everybody agreeing and opting in that yeah. you're going to show where you got all the data. I don't think there's any way to prove where all the data came from. It's not like you're going to be able to get a list. So again, this is, as you said, totally pie in the and, sky and not yeah. able to enforce. And the last impossible requirement that cannot be enforced, cannot even be implemented, but they will punish you if they decide they want to punish you and are looking for a reason to punish you that you must comply with if you have any kind of generative AI is you must design the model to prevent it from generating any illegal content. <laughs> what is when, illegal content in this jurisdiction? Oh, that's shifting Pat. every day. Yeah. It's like hate speech. I'll know it when I see it, but it's impossible to program. Well, in that some is, areas, there is, a, there is a, no possible way. A nude photo in some areas would be against the law but more importantly and and this is the place where this this becomes a free pass for anybody in government who wants to persecute you can go ahead and do so is the fact that what's illegal can change from day to day models can't change that fast but you know every every single time somebody makes something new illegal are you going to rebuild your entire model from all of the source code i know or from the like it training AIs takes time. There's no possible way to do this, which means everybody who runs one of these generative AIs is guilty all the time. Lock them up. Anyway, it, not only that, but of course, you know, it, the insert Adam standard rant about how the prohibition of quote illegal content is how it, you open up a law to be, to make it so that you can just decide I don't like a thing. Let's make it illegal. And now everybody who used to be doing some, who used to be fully within the law is now a criminal and I can punish them all. Oh yeah. It happens all the time. That's why you have to be very careful about what you post on the social media. Cause what you say today, we're totally legal tomorrow might not be. So yeah, in conclusion, Europe is passing yet another law that will be completely unenforceable, but will at least move us closer to the 1984 authoritarian state 
and they'll feel better about themselves. Don't forget this. And more importantly, they will have protected the livelihoods of those poor, underserved, giant corporations who want to be the gatekeepers, the only people who can possibly have any of this technology. And we cannot possibly have anybody running AI on their own computer in their basement because one of them might be evil. Oh, I'm sure oh, we have to protect evil. the lives of the lawyers. Yeah, everybody's evil, 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 except Balmer. He was dumb. <laughs> this is what we've learned today. Everybody's evil except Steve Balmer, and he was dumb. He was just ineffective. But you're not dumb or ineffective. You're a grumpy old Ben's listener. I mean, maybe you're a producer. Maybe you're an expert. But if you've never oh, donated, you're not an expert. As soon as you said listener, I knew you were talking to me. <laughs> maybe you're in, Maybe you're still a script kitty. Yeah, maybe we do rely on your continued support. That sounds like we're on PBS. We rely here on Grumpy Old Ben's, your continued support. To I, keep I am this once show. again asking for your monetary support. Yes, we are. Go over to Grumpy Old Ben's. Thank you, Bernie. Dot com slash donate. Today, we have a few people to thank, including our buddy Srini Srinivas Murti with $10.01. He did not like my impression the other day it might have been on another show of uh of an indian call center guy i guess i'm not good with the indian accent and he said it was only for a cheap laugh and i'm like what other kind of laughs can i get you're serena? barely good with the american accent i know what other kind of laughs can i get if i can't get cheap laughs serena, what kind of laughs am i gonna get if you can't get cheap laughs you're paying too much for them and you can always send in any kind of comments you can always send in audio. We'd love to hear from you. We had a phone number at one point here on Grumpy Old Ben's, then nobody used it and it went and it disappeared. I really, it'll be, I wish I, I, somebody called that number right now. Was it um, 4084 Grumpy or something like that? I think it was. I want to know who has that number right now, those poor people. They might get some weird messages. Does that number still exist? It has oh, to I still guess some, exist. Someone else. That was 408 for Grumpy, right? I think that was the number. I don't recall. I know it was for I always Grumpy. had to go to our website to find it. Yeah. Somebody will know. It turns out we never became a call-in show. No, we should have. This We would be way better as a call-in show. I, there are some very, very successful shows that get a lot more live listeners because they are they take calls just be like okay listener go ahead and then you let them talk and then you're like yeah wrong and then you hang up on them four eight honestly i don't need you to talk in order to make that determination thank you like you're calling into this show wrong click surly mofo's right it was four eight oh for grumpy so that has to still exist i guess i'd like to get it back but i I doubt that's going to happen not that we really need it but it was a great number so thank you, Srini. We appreciate that. Sir Fudge Fountain. Oh, yeah. He came in with his monthly 293. We've been saying he's been our longest running donor. I did the math. Looks like this is his 39th donation, which brings him up to $114.27. Way to go, Sir Fudge Fountain. Every little bit helps. See how that adds up. Because I think a lot of people are like, uh, two ninety three a show. They're gonna not even be happy with that. They're gonna be like, "That's nothing. Why are you only giving two ninety three? You cheap son of a bitch." No, of course it adds I'm up. Is that what you're saying? That I it, that I mean that works out to what like a uh, dollar forty something an hour. 
which isn't bad for this show. <laughs> That's like good money Again, for this show. <laughs> the show. Cheap laughs. See how like cheap we, the laughs we, are, Srini? We offer the cheapest of laughs. Yeah. I mean, if you can find cheaper laughs anywhere on the no agenda stream or the internet in its entirety, we will match those, those offers. We will. We will give you cheaper laughs than anybody else. Our buddy Dotter Ted, he came in with 16,969 Satoshis. And uh, I don't even want to try to do the math to what that is in uh, fiat fun coupons, as Adam Curry calls them. He says, great show, guys. So maybe this was sent to the wrong show. So happy to find your show and support two guys who have done so much for the entire No Agenda Social family. Keep up the great work, Teddy. No, thank you, Teddy. We appreciate you. As Bandrew says, I appreciate you. I don't know what Ryan does in his bathrobe there in the lazy boy. But there are people that Ryan are still- is. I, hey, just so you know. I am, in, I am, in fact, in the lazy boy in a robe, stroking pussy and sipping coffee. You are the multitasker extraordinaire, my friend. And it amazes the one thing me. I'm not doing is talking because I actually have no idea who donated what this week. This, well, we got to get you all these lists. But the fact that there are still people that are finding grumpy old men's that are like no agenda regulars in the chat room in the troll room and in the no agenda social. And they're like, Oh, this grumpy old bands. What is this? I thought we had eliminated all of our marketing. People shouldn't be finding this show. I know somebody it's must not, be talking. Who's talking about the show. It's not good for you. The leak. Where's the leak? It's like finding the people that leaked the manifesto of the, he, she in the Nashville shootings. Yeah. The first rule of Grumpy Old Ben's Club. Do not talk about Grumpy Old Ben's Club. CSB sent in 3333 without any kind of message. No, go to www.csb.lol. No, there's cartoons without baboons, nothing, just the donation. So thank you, CSB. Phoenix coming in also with 3333 said, Grumping on my way to San Jose. Go Niners. I think that's a football thing. That that is she. Yes, they. Uh, she and Phone Boy attended a sports ball event Ooh. in in which the uh, the tribe, the California tribe that they identify with. Oh, was uh, Taylor Swift there? I not that I'm aware of, but no. that you you have gone over your allocation for the day of saying that name. Please but it's stop. her birthday. Woo! She's 34 now. No more 33 club. And for you Taylor mentioned Swift. that too, and and yeah. you please stop. She's no, 34, they are so way too old. They, they, uh, they went all the way out to California to attend a sports ball game. And, and they're like, the tribe, uh, like Tennesseeers, right? Yes. And so it was, it was quite the, the journey for them. And I'm, I have no doubt that they enjoyed the hell out of the trip. And, I bet you uh, they listened to a lot I, of Van Halen. I'm, I'm happy. For, yes. But only with the, the best Van Halen frontman, which was, Billy uh, Adam, of course. I, no, I'm sorry. We can't. We can't speak that name again. Billy Idol. <laughs> but yeah. So congratulations, Phoenix. I'm very happy for you that, that the tribe that you identify yourself with won their physical contest, uh, despite your having absolutely no hand <laughs> in the outcome. This is like the feats of strength. Are we going to do that this year on Grumpy Old Bands? It'll be our Christmas episode. It's time for the Festivus feats of know. strength. I, the, the one thing. The, okay. So the one thing I know is that they have been 
uh, talking about this trip and okay, going on an exciting vacation. Great. But bone boy has not been able to mention their attendance at this football game once without also mentioning what, what he always says is we're going to watch the 49ers stomp the Seahawks. He cannot talk about this game without mentioning the Seahawks. I live in the area and I will follow the Seahawks when they're winning. I'm a fair weather fan. I admit this, but phone boy is way more invested in the Seahawks than I ever will be. He cannot <laughs> think about football without thinking about the Seahawks and having some kind of vitriol for them. And he has infected Phoenix who jumps on the bandwagon and is trying to needle me every chance she gets. I know that you like the Seahawks and they suck and we're going to stomp on them. And I'm like, okay, congratulations. I'm not uh, on the Seahawks. Uh, nothing <laughs> well, about you my, wish you were. I don't play on that football team. Nothing about my paycheck requires it. And I don't really watch sports ball either. You're not a special like teams said, guy. You know, if, like we are near the end of the season now, and if they had already won 14 games in a row, then yeah, I'd probably watch because it's fun to watch. It, I like the game. I don't follow teams. I sure as hell don't follow sportscasters. I don't look at stats. I don't look really care about scores. I, I enjoy watching sports ball for the purpose of sports ball. The same is true of baseball. But God help me, somebody starts spewing baseball statistics at me and I zone out. So uh, I'm very happy, Phoenix, that that you were able to cheer on a team that you had absolutely nothing to do with other than having adopted them as your tribe. And they won their physical contest against the team that you have identified with the area that I live in. And Great. we highly recommend listening to the Lotus Effect podcast if you want yes. the full breakdown. Yes, if you want more gloating about football, go listen to the Lotus Effect. Our buddy Sir Truck Driver coming in with 3333. You know him. He does that rolling on dot show show. Just go to yes, rolling on yes, dot show. I actually like that one. And I don't want to announce anything having to do with music shows on the No Agenda stream. So it's I won't. The, it's the one show on the No Agenda stream that you really like. It's rolling on dot show. I thought of doing one of them, but I'm like, though, do I need to go and get another hosting thing you, to do the whole thing with the thing so the people can get paid and the thing already the do a music thing. show on the no agenda stream. I know, but one with all those kind of musics like that aren't the big musics that are the little musics of all the people doing the value for value. I don't, you, thing. you want to impress Adam. What you need is the wallet sharing technology in R and R show. That is very difficult to do. <laughs> very difficult i'll just it's better to just ignore all those people they've got enough money see brooklyn coming in with 3333 as well he says fucking i Bay." so there's that thank you see brooklyn I, I can't argue with that memes 1337 came in with 2702 which i believe is 1337 times two says elite boosting the split at long last probably because it wasn't splitting. It was all just Bemrose is yes. was disappearing. It, it wasn't and like, splitting. And, and yes, I need to go in with some surgical tools and, and long rubber gloves and figure out what the hell is going on with my node. What happened to his node on a future episode of either angry tech news or grumpy old Ben's or both. He says, this is memes 1337 phone batteries, backyard, nuclear power, push notification, spying, 
Nowhere else can I get the grumpy rant on such topics to bring relief to my droll hardware tech-based day. Stay grumpy. And cheap laughs. Yeah, very cheap laughs. The cheapest laughs on the internet. Sir NetNet of D-Fucking Troy coming in with 2222. I asked AI how much to boost, so blame AI. Also, my Lightning wallet is empty right now. <laughs> I bet you that had more to do with uh, more to do with it. Maybe we need to have a promotion here on Grumpy Old Benz. We can give away some lightning. Woo! Well, there's never been a better time to refill your wallet because it costs more to buy Bitcoin than any time in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm seeing it's Wait, going well, up again not. today. The stocks have gone way up today. The government said something about the interest rates, and everybody's like, woohoo! Joe Biden's doing a great job. Yay, Bidenomics! Making everybody equally poor. Now that right, I was going to say Except now that all your money was, I was gonna, no, I was going to go the other way. Like now that all your stocks just made money, now that all your Bitcoin made money, it's a great time to go over to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate and use that donate button for a one time or monthly donation through PayPal. Use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to go the crypto way. You can use the PO box address if you want to go the Uncle Sam's uh, stupid children route. And I will say that uh, there is there was mail that. Uh, did not make it here for you, although I got a picture of it. So maybe it'll get here or maybe it won't. I think it was another card from. Uh, do they know I don't live in Illinois? Well, do you really live anywhere? I, I try not to. I, I will say taking uh, a lament about the bad economy and transforming it into a plea for donations. I like the cut of your jib. It is genius, is it not? But I've noticed it was all right. Some of the things that are the post office is saying are showing up, not necessarily showing up, which is which me. I'm guessing it's probably the idiots at our local post office that are just like sliding them in to the wrong box, which wouldn't be that hard to believe. There was one today that was like coming to your mailbox soon. Something we can't uh, see but it'll be there but i got well, you a know, nice, this card from uh the two sticks guy what uh, i'm forgetting his no agenda name and i will uh make good on that but he also sent a card to you that i found in my email like days ago that like this is on its way to your mailbox but that one has not gotten here unless they went who's this ryan bemrose <laughs> which maybe but i doubt because it has the you know in care of grumpy old bens or whatever on there so i would doubt it's going to get returned but if it does i'm sure well, he maybe will let us know maybe there was like a gift card in it and the postal employees were like hey exactly they're like this sounds like free money free olive me. yeah free olive does anybody is that really free you will pay for that for <laughs> days oh, you pay afterwards. for it later yeah you are gonna pay for that but we appreciate everybody who helps support the show in any way, shape, or form. And if Joe Biden hasn't sucked all your money dry or sniffed your kid, try to donate. Keep the shows that you enjoy going, even if it is Rare Encounter or The Lotus Effect or, you know, Behind the Schemes. Something like that. Any of those. We appreciate I got, it. I got one more really quick, really short AI story, just because this one made me chuckle. Yeah, because there's uh, no more AI.cooking. We missed that show. And this doesn't feel like the kind of thing that they would put on there because uh, AI.cooking was a serious look at letting you know 
the relevant advances in AI and things that you would need to know if you are an engineer or involved in that. Me, I just find things that entertain me and then laugh at them and point sarcasm in their direction. I like it. It's a different style of news. This one has to do with a demo video that Google released entitled Hands-On with Gemini, Interacting with Multimodal AI. They, Google, who has been desperate to become relevant in the AI market after starting out way behind uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, etc., and even Facebook, who inexplicably released their model to the public. But uh, Gemini is, uh, Google also, you know, they, they're trying to forget that whole Bard incident. Right. Uh, yeah, Bard was not good. Gemini is apparently their new AI project, and they released this hands-on with Gemini video. The video uh, appears to show its new AI model, recognizing visual cues and interacting vocally with a person in real time. During the video, the researcher draws squiggly lines and ducks on a piece of paper and then asks Gemini what it can see. Oh, yeah. Then a voice responds with what the AI has located and okay. I saw this in video. Real time. It was so slick. You knew it had to be fake. Well, what actually happened was the researchers fed still images of the ducks and squiggly lines into the model, let it churn for a while, and then cherry picked which responses made it look good and edited those together into the video. Yes, and then made it seem like they were talking to the AI when they were really feeding the information via text. Yep. This story was also on no agenda. They did haagen us on this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hadn't listened to that no agenda. Something about dying from too much package delivery. No. I just thought it was an entertaining story that I wanted to close with. It is, which just shows that way to all go, this stuff is bullshit. <laughs> all of the oh it's going to change the world it's not here yet yes it's not Let's writing see, shakespeare yes. it is not replacing humans quite yet uh yeah the 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 future in which ai solves all of our problems is a certain amount of bullshit so let's go ahead and improve it by adding a hefty dose of marketing exactly and with that marketing we will be back next week I believe, unless you die sometime in the next week with your uh, I heavy workload. That's, or, or road rage incident. You never know. It's December 20th. But with that said, join us again. Bring a friend. 1 p.m. Central Wednesday, right here on the Mighty No Agenda stream. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, where I got more packages today than I'll probably get Christmas presents. And from America's left coast, where the laughs do not come any cheaper, I'm Ryan Bemrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer.